Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Internet Friends, a podcast where two friends who met on the internet get together and talk about things about <laughs> life, I guess. About things. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, I, I'm, I'm your host, uh, Colleen Nielsen, and Charlotte Turner, all the way from her parents' picture framing business back room today, because I, yeah, <laughs> it's just the way that life is this week. Yeah, so we're filming this on Sunday evening my time, but it's uh, late afternoon uh, for you on Monday, right? Yeah, we have been trying to record this for about four or five days, and this is getting very close to when I have to edit it and get it ready to go out live, which is making me a bit nervous. Um, But my neighbors were having a wedding for about four days last week. It was beautiful. I saw the bride several times. She was gorgeous. They know how to party over several days, and they did a lot of the celebrations at the house, which meant that it was very noisy at the house for a lot of last week because my windows are also naturally have to be on the same side as their house so it was way too loud for us to do any audio recording whatsoever for the last few days and this is the first time that we've both had time free and we've had somewhere quiet to actually get this done (laughs) yeah um charlotte has got some teeth issues going on she's about to get her wisdom teeth out so she's got quite a sore mouth Mm. and so talking is a little bit hard for her but in exchange what i've done for you guys is i've drank almost a whole bottle of wine so i'm like extra chatty right now she's gonna balance (laughs) me out it's great (laughs) so so we're trying to create a balance right now of just us being kind of equal (laughs) yeah the more that i talk the more swollen everything gets because I've been like mm-hmm. clenching my jaw and all those things. So, um, yeah. yeah, I've already been working for a full day doing a lot of talking. So my jaw is already a little bit sore. So this is this you know, will, this I, will be interesting, but it should be fine. <laughs> I, I was thinking about it um, earlier because we were talking about how you have this wisdom teeth surgery coming out. Um, and I think I got mine done literally 12 years ago. Really? And you're younger than me. <laughs> Yeah, I was really young. I got so I got my braces taken out in grade eight. So that would have been like, I think it was 2008, 2009, Mm. maybe so like 11 to 12 years ago. And when they took my braces out, they had to do x-rays of my my jaw to see how everything was going. And they realized that all my wisdom teeth were um, already grown in and rooted, but they were um, completely what's the angle instead of like sticking vertically they were like horizontal i love you know the, what i the, mean the um, hand <laughs> gestures that she's doing to indicate is, is really good i immediately yeah, understood like, what you meant but this is, this is audio only so. audio only i know it's so hard yeah so instead of sticking like upwards they were sticking sideways and compacting into my um back molars mm. and so it was basically an emergency surgery and i had to get them taken out and it took them a couple of hours I had to get put under because they had to carve out all the roots that had already grown in. Mm. But basically, they were like, if we don't take them out literally right away after getting my braces done, that it would reverse what my like three years of braces was. And lots and lots of money, probably. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm to be fair, I thought that I was never actually going to have to have my braces out. This is the reason that I am currently 26 and having to get them out now, because I am very lucky in that I have my mother's teeth. 
They're very straight. My dad's teeth, not so much. If I had his teeth, this would have happened a lot sooner. My brother got his out when he was 20 and he's got more like dad's teeth. But they grew in perfectly straight. The only reason I'm having to get them out now is that there's not quite enough room for them. So they haven't fully cleared the gum at the back. Um, and yeah. because I clench my jaw when I'm stressed, there's also the tightness in the jaw from the wisdom teeth being all squished in there. Um, and I'm also, there's like a pocket behind one of them that's getting um, food trapped in it. And I've been having gum infections pretty much for six months right now. I did the math. It's been six months that I've had gum infections and not knowing what it was until a couple of weeks ago. Um which has been really miserable, I have to say, especially in the times of COVID where like sometimes this feels like a sore throat and then I have like a freak out. I've had a couple of COVID tests over the last few months as a result, all of them <laughs> negative, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I'm just excited to be getting them ripped out. But it's weird that I actually I thought I was going to get away with it. They grew in perfectly straight. They've been they've been there growing in and like I can feel them with my tongue for like six years and only now are playing up, which is really annoying. But I'm just going to get all four of them ripped out anyway. It's my bottom two that are problematic but um yeah i'm gonna get them all ripped out because i'm going under anyway i may as well my health insurance is going to cover it thank goodness so may as well do it all at once you know what the most bullshit part of uh braces is what's that is that is that you you go through like the like maybe two three four five years of pain of having them on your teeth and you're like i'm paying all this money and after this, I'm going to have straight teeth, but you don't have straight teeth afterwards. You have to get a retainer and you have to wear your retainer for the rest of your life, basically, to keep them straight. Or sometimes people get a permanent retainer put in, which is like a bar, like um, cemented onto the back of their teeth. I had a lot of issues with my braces, so I couldn't keep them. Uh, basically, they like uh, I, I was allergic to the metal that they were made oh, out of. And so it made my gums really bad. And which is why I still have gum issues like to this day. Mm. Like I, I spent like so many years with such inflamed gums that it was just like it was a huge problem. But um, because of that, they didn't feel comfortable putting in a permanent retainer because it would basically mean that I would be given permanent gingivitis. Mm-hmm. Oops. I, I did a mistake. I accidentally clicked stop recording and now I'm recording again. <laughs> when did you click stop? <laughs> no, it was like instant. Oh, like you tapped it with your hand just then. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that'll be fine. I'll be able to sync that up totally fine. That'll be all good. I managed okay, to sync okay. up me stopping and starting last week really easily. So it'll be it'll be fine. <laughs> okay, I made a mistake. <laughs> Anyways, so I um I I'm gonna move my mouse. Um, yeah, I was about to say move it off just in case you go dramatic with your hands again and brush yeah. your your keyboard. Uh, so yeah, so I wasn't allowed to get a permanent retainer. I had to get a a one that you would only wear at nighttime. But then when I went to New Zealand in 2017, three years ago, I lost my retainer. And so I went like seven months backpacking without my retainer because I lost it and I didn't have it. And by the time I got home, my bottom teeth had gone back to being crooked and I couldn't fix it. And so it's like it's still not as bad as how crooked my teeth were when I had my braces originally. Like they're still like pretty straight. I just have a couple of like wonky ones on the bottom Mm. of my mouth. But like I got my braces out when I was 13 and I was backpacking in New Zealand at the age of 22. So that's like almost 10 years past where not wearing my retainer for six months has permanently changed my teeth again. And so if I want them to be straight, I have to go get an Invisalign, which 
it's also like partially my fault because when I got back, my my orthodontist had like retired and so I couldn't I couldn't go see him specifically to get a new retainer fitted and then they yeah. were like oh no like it's actually like too best up now like we'd have to fit you with like an actual like Invisalign and, and stage it back into what you're doing and Invisalign's like uh, $1,500 and so I'm planning on doing it within the next like year or two but I just don't want to do it yet. I don't actually know. I, I just got dental insurance. And that's a question for Julian because I get it through Julian's work. But I don't know if Invisalign is covered or not. But if it is, maybe I'll do it through that because then it'll be cheaper. But I yeah, have my bottom imagine, teeth are crooked. I have to imagine probably not because it's cos- cosmetic more than health related, right? Like if you needed to have your teeth moved back into place for health reasons, probably. But surely not if it's cosmetic they cover even they they cover teeth whitening with it though oh okay well that is incredibly cosmetic so that's kind of (laughs) good yeah it's like it's like extended dental that's going to cost me 260 (laughs) dollars i asked them the other day i drink a hell of a lot of coffee guys my teeth are not not white i've never i've never never had white teeth either yeah, I've never whitened them because I always thought the take-home kits were a scam that were going to fuck up your teeth. And from what I've talked to, what I, from what I've heard from dentists, this is true. They will ruin the sensitivity on your teeth. The only way to really yeah. do it and not have those issues is to go to the dentist, which will cost me two hundred and sixty dollars to sit in the chair for an hour. Yeah, so, I mean, I, would love- I might do it. I might, my treats to myself. This is my goal for the end of the year. I'm going to get myself a haircut, and I'm going to get whiten my teeth. <laughs> you know, though. So you just watched Friends for the first time. Yeah. And do you remember the episode where (laughs) Ross gets his teeth whitened? Because whenever I think of teeth whitening, I always get that picture of Ross on Friends getting his teeth whitened and they're like too white. And then they have like the black lights on and his teeth literally glow. They're so white. Oh, God. Yeah, I I did. That was one of the that was a good episode. I. It was kind of nice because as I as I mentioned in one of the earlier episodes, I'm not a huge fan of Ross. Um, I think he's a bit of a knob, so it was actually quite funny seeing him. And like the one where he fucked up getting the tan. Mm-hmm. He had a lot of bad mm-hmm. luck with um, vanity improvements. <laughs> yeah, I, it's so funny. Like a couple of days ago, we were um, moving some of the outdoor furniture into winter storage because they, it can't like sit out anymore because mm-hmm. we are now in winter f- for sure, kind of in Canada, at least Vancouver's version of winter kind of starts at the midway through October and lasts till about April because all it does is rain here. But um, (laughs) when we were moving all of the tables, we were like trying to get it into the gazebo and we were literally sitting there being like, pivot, pivot, which is a whole (laughs) scene in Friends. (laughs) I'm I'm not surprised by that because from what you told me when we talked about Friends previously, your sisters were really into it and watched it on repeat. So I can imagine that your whole family is pretty on top of the the Friends memes. The Friends reference, yeah. No, uh, my one sister, Brita, is like especially obsessed with Friends. She Mm. is like, she is a Chandler and her uh, fiance now, because they just got engaged a couple weeks ago, is Ooh. definitely a Monica. Oh, and interesting. So even their way that their engagement happened, they were like, oh, we're such a Monica and Chandler, but except for like gender revol- role reversal. 
That's quite cute. Should we get into, okay, here's the thing. I know that we usually start this off by like what we've been watching, listening to, and reading. The only thing is is I have nothing new in all three categories. All I've been doing is watching yarn dyeing tutorials. All I've been reading is still American Dirt because I'm really struggling with it. Same here. And I'm still listening to basically my audiobook on Audible if I get a chance of Mythos. Um, by Stephen Fry because it's like literally taking me so long. I've, I've listened to now five out of 15 and a half hours that it is. <laughs> um, so uh, I've got nothing. So unless you've got something new for any of those, let me know. Yeah, I mean, I've managed to... I don't know. I've been watching a lot of YouTube and stuff while I've been sewing. I've done a lot of sewing in the last little bit, which is why I haven't really finished the book. Um, but the... YouTube channel that I've been watching a lot of, and I've been watching her on and off for the last couple of months, actually, is Bernadette Banner. I don't know if you've come across her. She, mm-hmm. this is this is like particularly niche. She has a lot of subscribers, though, considering how niche this is. She does like 1880s, 1890s, like historical clothing reconstructions. She like wears them in day-to-day life. Um, she lives in New York. She... Does like what? His, yeah, <laughs> historical sewing techniques and like stitches everything by hand and like does all the research. She's like historian part, like she's done costume stuff in the past. It's so niche, but it's really, really cool. <laughs> can I can I just say that this is this is what I love about the internet so much is you can literally have any niche in the world and like it could be so specific and there's niches inside of niches inside of niches and Mm -hmm. that is a niche inside of a niche inside of a niche it's like Mm -hmm. not it's not just sewing it's not just history it's like sewing historical costumes from a specific time period like you know it's incredible (laughs) do you know it's even better she's not the only one who does it there are i know there's a whole community of these youtubers and like Instagrammers and stuff who all do basically the same thing. She's part of this like group of people. And this it's, is how it's, it's insane and incredible. It's is, just like watching the processes that they did to like create garments is just so cool. This is how I feel about yarn dyers too. It's like not only is it like people who like to knit, so there's a niche, but then inside niche, it's like dyeing your own fibers. And then within that niche, it's recording and teaching people how to dye their own fibers and the different mm-hmm. ways that you can do it, right? And mm-hmm. there's there's so many different YouTube channels that I've discovered in the last little while that are like all within that realm. And it's it's like you can have a niche for anything like sometimes like i just fall down these rabbit holes on youtube and i swear to god i've i've lost like hundreds of hours looking at how people make stickers for a living or how Mm -hmm. they make like anything you know like or bullet journaling or sewing or knitting or like diy christmas ornaments it's like it's it's crazy what what you can find i love the internet I know. It's so good. (laughs) And it just proves that, like, really, if you put your heart and soul into whatever you love to create, that there's a way to viably make money off of it, no matter what you do. Yeah, which is also really cool. It's like you can make a living doing a million different things now, and it's insane. Mm -hmm. It's so cool. The internet has made it so much easier to do so many different things. 
Yeah, like like I've told you about this. Like I've seen some of these yarn dyers that have like less than forty thousand followers on Instagram. Some of them are even like under twenty thousand followers on Instagram, who are making a hundred, two hundred, three hundred, even four hundred thousand dollars US a year on dyeing yarn. It's insane. It's a little bit insane for sure. And, like, the fact that, I mean, such niches get such, like, passionate followers, too, that they can do such a good job of it. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, though, I haven't managed to ask Sam for a good pun for your yarn dyeing business. I'm sorry. Yes. I forgot last night. You know what, guys? <laughs> Everyone who's listening to this right now, if you were to buy yarn from someone... What would you, what do you think a creative yarn business name is? I'm not saying that I'm starting one. I am, I, I just bought 30 skeins of bear yarn. You bought 30? Because, be, well, mostly because I wanted to buy some for, okay, so in my family, we do Secret Santa every mm-hmm. year and we all get an individual person. And um, the person that I got um, really loves to wear. Um, handmade scarves and like headbands and whatever and so is this person gonna listen to the podcast god no she doesn't even know i do this fantastic because <laughs> yeah she <laughs> doesn't be a dead she, giveaway <laughs> yeah she doesn't know she doesn't know any of this like she she doesn't pay attention right so Fair. but it's my sister yeah so i got my sister for secret santa she she and she loves wearing these like knit headbands and these scarves and anything that's super cozy. So what I'm gonna do for her this year is I'm gonna knit her a scarf and a matching headband. But to challenge myself, I was like, I should hand dye the yarn because now I'm like all into this because I all that's all I've been watching on YouTube. And so I I went and I was trying to look up different wholesalers to find cheap bear yarn that I could dye with. And the ones that I could find were um, like, they had like minimum orders basically. And I was like, mm. well, I wanna pay like full price for, if I, could, if I can get like less, or like, or sorry, get more for like less money. So they had like minimum order of like 10 skines. So I just, and I didn't know which weight was right. And then it'll just give me enough to experiment for the next yeah. kind of like couple of months, right? It will. It'll give you plenty to play around with and see if you actually like doing this. And if you do. Yeah. Not, much, not that she's starting a business, guys, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> really, like, and it's funny because I feel like today's topic, which you guys probably will know from like the title of the video is like what Charlotte and I both do for work. And the mm. reason that I, I'm not saying that I'm starting this as a new business, but a lot of it comes from my own frustration with my work that I'm doing currently and yeah. needing a new outlet. And I'm like, if I can, I'm not even saying like, if I can make money off of it, I just think it would be really fun. Cause I, I think that the yarn dyeing niche is like really cool. <laughs> and I think like being able to create your own colorways and be able to create these things that then turn into slow fashion that you can create into your own clothing. And like the ethics side of it is just really cool yeah and honestly it's a very creative medium like it's not crafting something specifically but you i think we talked we talk about this on the pod we talked about this in person i'm not sure but you love playing with color and it's part of the stuff that you really love doing about your job currently right Mm -hmm. so it's it would be a lot of fun for you i reckon 
like a hands-on crafty process kind of like you being in the garden um, yeah less on a com- on a screen yeah so you might actually yeah. quite enjoy it and if you end up enjoying it you might just do it as like a little side thing for a while and I also kind of like the idea of like you being like the first step in a creative process, right? So like I, if I was, or like these people who dye yarn or if I was to dye yarn or whatever, and then it gets sold and then people buy it and create their own things with and then getting to see mm. those photos. I, I, I talked to, I've talked to Allie before about this, who is the owner of um, Explorer Knits, who I've bought so much hand-dyed yard from. It's actually <laughs> Including stupid. today. You made another order today, I literally did say. this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I bought a sock set. I'm going to try and make socks for the first time. Um, but she, I've talked to her about it before and she's like, nothing gives me more satisfaction than seeing people create like such cool things with the thing that I created with. So it's not even so much like a, um, you create something and someone uses it. It's like they, they create something and then they create something off of what you've created. It's almost like a collaborative effort constantly, Mm. which is really cool. Yeah. I I actually quite like, there would be something really satisfying about being able to see what people do with, with the things. I can imagine so I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm going to start doing this, but I'm just saying that there might be an Instagram coming for it. And if you guys can give me some cool handle names, I would appreciate it. <laughs> we will definitely ask Sam. I just need to remember yeah. to actually ask him. I want to ask him in person because I kind of want to see his reactions and like his thought process behind a lot of them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll ask him when I see him next. I actually don't know when I'm going to see him next. Oh, Wednesday. I see him on Wednesday. I just realized, though, have we explained who Sam is? I think we did briefly explain who he is. Should I give a brief rundown of... I mean, this is totally off topic, but I guess it's not because I do work with Sam as well. So he's going to come up shortly. Um, Sam and I... Yeah? I was just going to say, like, I feel like it kind of just, like, is a good segue just basically into what we're going to talk about today, which is what we do for work. And Sam's a big part of what you do for work. Yes, this is true. So I probably should get some context as to who he is. Um, He and I met when we were both at uni. Um, I ran the Photographic Society on campus with him for a couple of years. Um, Actually, I joined and I wanted to join the committee because I was like, oh, that looks fun. I'm going to push myself outside my comfort zone because I was really socially awkward and really scared. Um, but I'm like, that looks fun. You want to do it. Go do it. And I went and I, like, I talked to him because he was president at the time. And I was like, um, I'm really keen to, you know, help run the committee and join the club. And he's just like, oh, you put your contact details down in this notebook. Basically said nothing else to me at all that evening. He was like doing all the other stuff that they have to do <laughs> at, the, at the GM. I've given him grief for this since. Um, and didn't get in touch with me for months and months. It took me email and being like, hey, I'm still keen. <laughs> like, are you still wanting people to join? He's like, oh, yeah, come along to this committee meeting. Um, so I turned up to the committee meeting, met some more of the committee, um, and they brought me into the committee. And then a couple of months later, um, we were going through elections, and he's just like, do you want to do president? You seem competent. And I now realize that like nobody really wants to be president because it's like you, you don't get paid to run the club. It's a lot of time and a lot of effort. Um, and you have to deal with like the front line of all the shit that goes wrong, basically. Um, mm-hmm. 
And he was like, I'll step in to vice president if they vote me in for it, which they were going to because he was president the year prior. Um, and I'll help you out with it. And we'll have a couple of other people that are forming the exec and we'll do all that together. I'm like, okay, that's cool. That's fine. So I ended up winning president. It was voted in by the committee. Um, yeah. And we ran the club together for a couple of years. And then when I was finishing uni, he was at a different university doing another course. He was doing a photographic course similar to what Coley did a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, which was like two years to learn professional photography techniques, like all the stuff that you need to actually work in commercial work. And I was, he'd finished his degree at Auckland Uni and I was just finishing mine and we were talking about maybe starting a wedding photography business together. Sorry, just not knocking stuff around me because there's a lot of stuff next to me. I've got like D-rings <laughs> and a drill and Coley's <laughs> leaning against some glass cleaner. <laughs> Like bougie glass clean, other stuff for the good stuff. Um, yeah, and it started there. So if you hadn't picked up, I think I've mentioned it a couple of times. Obviously, I'm I'm a photographer. Hello, <laughs> um, and I've gone through a lot of different iterations over time. As you can hear, I started out doing wedding photography with Sam, um, and having Thank always God loved you the- don't do that anymore. I know it's yeah I mean we stopped for a reason um <laughs> yeah it, like you really have to be a very specific type of person to like wedding photography just as someone who also works in the photography what realm which yeah, we'll get into this, a little bit later like wedding photography is not fun no for a lot of people I, but there's a lot of people who do it um I just I, I can't understand it like there is some merit to doing it I get some enjoyment out of doing wedding photography I could not do it every weekend all summer and then like do no work during the winter like there's something about the work to life balance of wedding photography Mm -hmm. that it bugs me the most and bridezillas are a bit of a thing and like parents of the bride and yada 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 but like the pressure that this is like the most important day of the year for some people and like if you fuck it up then you've fucked it up yeah the pressure of the of the kiss at the end of the ceremony is like nothing else i almost it's- ruined it once because i was using sam 7200 and something weird in the focusing went like a little bit bung and i freaked out because it wasn't focusing on them and like i had a second shooter because this was one that we were doing um we were doing it, Sam and I. Sam was doing video, I was doing photo, and we both had assistants. And by assistants, I mean Sam's now fiance, Grace, and his little brother came and assisted us because Grace used to be a photographer, so she knows what she's doing. Um, and uh, really? Yeah, she did photography. She used to do um, live music photography and that sort of thing. I had no idea. Grace is so most, cool. Most, Yeah, she is. She's awesome. Um, she's one of my favorite people. She... I don't think she did it for paid stuff. I think she did it more for like hobby stuff, but she's met Fallout mm-hmm. Boy. She's managed to like, she went and like, I think she shot one of those shows or she got managed to get in. She managed to meet Fallout Boy, which was really exciting. That's and really, really exciting cool. for her because she was really into them. Um, yeah, but, but that's how her and Sam met because they met through the Photographic Society. Like I met both of them. Oh, yeah. interesting. I had no idea. Yeah, so we have quite a few friends from that. Um, I just feel very fortunate that I managed to meet some of my closest friends from that. I am very good friends with Sam outside of working with him, by the way. If you Mm -hmm. weren't able to pick that up already, Um, we've been really good friends for a really long time now. Very clearly, we stopped doing wedding photography um, for for a multitude of reasons. Um, And Sam started working on more commercial work. So he started doing sort of architecture interiors and video work. 
um, all of which he is still currently doing. Um, and I started working as an assistant and a second shooter on all of those projects for him um, and started figuring out what my niche was. And if I'm perfectly honest, I'm still kind of figuring it out. Um, I talk about this with Cole a lot. Like I have a lot of imposter syndrome and whilst I'm kind of aware that I'm like a pretty decent photographer, I don't have like the sort of business that I would want my business to be. It doesn't make as much money as I want it to make for me. Um, I work sort of a bunch of sort of like part-time bits with like Sam and then like um, helping my parents run their business a couple of days a week and all these things to try and bring money in to like pay my rent and live my life and all that sort of stuff. Um, That's but yeah, so I'm not quite sure where it's going to go yet. I'm still working on it, but I really enjoy working with people. I love doing portrait stuff. I love doing more commercial stuff. That's what I really want to get into doing more of, um, which is like a combination of doing stuff with people and like interior things and like just more commercial work in general. Um, and I actually like doing video stuff, I'm realizing. So I'm actually trying to learn more about video so I can do that kind of stuff too, which will be also <laughs> helpful for Sam if I... What was that? Sorry, if anyone just heard Julian cough very aggressively in the background, it was very loud. <laughs> you looked very startled. It was. I, I, I got noise canceling on on my headphones and it, it went through my, my noise canceling headphones. Oh, that's you funny. okay? Okay, he says he's okay. We're all good. good. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's the basic gist of it. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm a little bit of all those things. I I was wary about doing this episode to begin with, really, because I I don't really feel like I have like a valid enough business to like talk about or say like this is what I do necessarily. So it feels like I don't know. Like I feel like I would be lying if I said it was different to what it is but I also like don't like the idea of like saying that it's like in its infancy and hasn't grown into what I want it to be yet so I think that for the majority of people who listen so the reason that I think it's so important for us to be doing this episode in general is that I get dms from people all the time like all the time being like yo I really want to run my own business. I know that you work in all these kind of creative fields. How have you been able to find clients? How have you made success out of it? Like, you look like you're doing okay. Like, I just don't understand how you do that. I feel like I'm feeling at everything. And to be completely honest with people, and I tell this to people all the time when they DM me, like, Charlotte and I on FaceTime, like, at least once a month have breakdowns where we're like i feel like we're failing at everything why are we doing this <laughs> yeah <laughs> like and like it's it's uh, so yeah. normal and constantly feeling like we should be doing more and like i know that i should be doing more like i also know that my imposter syndrome and my general anxiety make me not as brave to like do a lot of the things that i probably should do to grow my business more which is why i feel so guilty about it um but like i'm still out here doing the thing and I'm still getting, like, I've, I'm, I've got more clients this month than I did, you know, last month. But that's, yeah. like, it, that's, like, a huge improvement on also what was happening at the beginning of the year. Like, it's not, like, it's where I want it to be. It's just that it's improved. COVID has not helped, I must admit. Like, COVID has made life a lot more difficult for all of this kind of stuff. But yeah. And it's 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 interesting because to like my business structure specifically is so different from yours. 
like your your income and your um, business structure is built off of um, clients coming in consistently and like you're mm-hmm. you're kind of doing work like very steadily. Mine is not like that. And I, I feel like I should be like front up with this because a lot of people like constantly are asking me, they don't understand how I spend like all summer off of my cabin or they don't understand how I'm able to travel and work at the same time. And the reason that I do that is because I focus on very large, intense, Hence, very expensive projects um, that I charge a lot of money for that get done in a very quick amount of time. <laughs> yes. Um, web design, if you weren't already aware of that. Yeah. So, so for like a little bit of context, I, I didn't start off in web design. I started off as um, a, a in digital marketing. I did social media marketing for a lot of different companies um, and photography, a commercial photography specifically for people's social media accounts. So what I did um, when I first started kind of my business, this is maybe five-ish years ago now, is that I would work with different companies and I'd manage their Instagram. I taught a lot of influencers how to um, use social media properly. I taught them how the platforms works. I would um, help different businesses manage um, their like Hootsuite and all of the like crazy stuff with managing your digital marketing. Back in the time, like in 2015, which was a completely different game than what it is right now. I don't really do that as much anymore because in my first two years working in digital marketing with people, I had a lot of issues um, with clients that were coming in who had really crappy websites. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I've seen some doozies. Yeah, and it's really hard to market something that when you're trying to push someone towards something that's not well designed or like working properly in the first place. Mm-hmm. And then I went to photography school, as Charlotte was saying, and I was still working in digital marketing as I was at photography school. And I I started doing kind of like digital marketing. And so many of the school programs that I did were because I was frustrated with like, so I was doing social media marketing and I was frustrated with the pictures that we were getting because the pictures weren't good enough to be able to market them on Instagram. So I learned how to take pictures properly and I became a photographer. And so I started offering taking pictures as well as the digital marketing. And then from there, I was like, super frustrated with the websites that were coming out that people were being able to do. So I said, screw it, I'm gonna learn how to create websites as well and that's what I learned how to do and I am majority self-taught like yes I've done my like degrees that I have and I've done my like schooling but um, I went to to school for digital communications I didn't mention that but I did digital communications in school and I I got very like my entire career progression has come from being frustrated with people of not doing a good enough job I mean, fair. I mean, that's seeing a a thing that you can fix for people and making money off it. That's good. Yeah. So, but then in the last couple of of years, since I kind of came home from traveling and living in Malaysia, um, I I geared my business further from 
digital marketing, which is actually still kind of what I was doing. I worked for this like absolutely insane client who I did their website for. I did their marketing. I did their photography. I did everything. And she completely took advantage of me and like basically bled me dry. And I was the most stressed person of all time for a very long time that I was working for her. And Mm -hmm. it made me realize that um, I much more enjoyed coding and um, curating stock photography and curating pictures or taking pictures for things. And so what we started to do is gear towards offering people full branding suites. And that's what I do now is I, I help take people from concept to live store, basically from beginning to end. And I do it in like, an insane amount of time. And so we've had people go from literal, like first sketches, first meetings, to a full brand with an e-commerce site, logos, photos, everything in under two weeks, which Mm -hmm. if you're not a graphic- fuck out. (laughs) Yeah, if you're not a graphic designer, a web designer, a photographer, you if you don't understand like how fucking hard that is <laughs> like yeah. that is hard and mm-hmm. so we we've done projects like even even doing that in like eight weeks is insane yeah even doing those projects in- take months to do yeah and so what my business specializes in is turning those things around for people who need them need them really quickly so my last like five or six clients have been projects that have been turned around in under eight weeks where we do like logos, photos, websites, and Mm. complete branding suites. And we set them up on all their social media. We set them all up. We get everything ready and we do everything. That is a very expensive thing. So (laughs) I, and when I was saying earlier, when I said like you and I's business structure is so different is like my business is structured on maybe doing four projects a year. This Mm -hmm. year I've done three and a half major projects. And then I do, I do like maintenance stuff for people like at an hourly rate throughout the year. But for the most part, most of my income comes from like doing anywhere from like two to four major projects a year. But when I say major projects, I mean like I'm charging these people and I'm going to be blunt because I feel like not enough people are honest about the money they make. Like, like yeah. I'm charging a minimum of like 10 to $35,000 for projects like these. Yeah. So I make five figures in these two, three to six weeks um, projects. And then usually I'm so burnt out emotionally from doing it that I don't take another project on for like four months. And so this is why you need to start dying young. So you can do a big project, make like 20K, and then you can die yarn for a month, and then you can do another big project. Yeah, basically, that's 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 my my intention for like maybe 2021 is to yeah, not start that finding a things. store or anything. No, I'm not doing that, but to start. Not. And, yeah, and, and I've talked a lot for the last like couple of years, like, about doing um, or transitioning more into like product-based web design where I do like templates and pre-made websites and um, less client work because 
I I don't actually really like client work all that much. Mm. I really don't like having to deal with people. But the thing is, is that I, unlike a lot of creatives, like I don't really give a shit what you want. I'll just build you what you want. I listen to my customer. I, I, I try and figure out exactly what it is that they need. And then I try and build it exactly how it is. But doesn't mean I necessarily agree with all their choices or what they want. And so I, that's what I've been doing. And mm. I also like when I say like I charge like between 10 to th- I think my yeah I think my biggest project I ever charged was like 30 38 grand and the nice. smallest which was like but also as you were talking about earlier like imposter syndrome nothing makes me feel like I'm more of an imposter than trying to charge someone that much money for what I'm doing. And I know that what I'm doing is technically worth that much, but that doesn't mean that I necessarily feel like I'm worth that much. You know, it's, it's a really hard balance to strike. It's like objectively the work that you're doing is because you've mapped out how many hours it is. You've mapped out exactly what needs to go into it. It's not like you're pulling a number from thin air. No, and especially with rush fees, like, like if I was doing projects like these, like I'm doing like a slower project right now for a web design um, for a client that we're taking like a normal amount of time, not like a an obscene rush fee of like two and a half weeks to do it. Mm. Um, And I'm I'm charging like significantly less, like we're down in like the three thousand dollar range, not in the in the five digits but the second that you Mm. start getting into that range where someone's like i need a full functioning e-commerce website with taxes and and shipping and everything structured and built and done and ready with all of the photography all of the branding and we need it done in three weeks like it's insane it's insane right and so i but i can do it because i know how to do it now and i can do it Mm -hmm. for you by working 18 hours a day and i do it for three weeks and then i cry myself to sleep for like a month afterwards (laughs) yeah it's it's not the most sustainable but if you balance it out by maybe doing a a yarn business (laughs) yeah so for the soul (laughs) yeah so that's kind of like been my things and it's hard because like i i talk to so so many people like i've talked to like Jules even before and Jules is like I don't even understand how you make money and Jules's family is like I don't understand how you make money and my family is like I don't understand how you make money and it's like well I do these projects for like a shit ton of money and then it kind of sustains me for a few months and then I have to do another one and then I I kill myself and then I do like a a, a big project and it's mm. it works for me because I I wanted to travel and do all of those things but I also want to like make sure that it's understood that it took me a long time to get to a point where I was confident with clients enough to start charging those numbers because I worked for a lot of people who took advantage of me who demanded that much work from me that demanded me to do those kind of projects and were paying me like fucking nothing (laughs) Yeah, knowing your worth is really hard. It's like it's one of the things that I genuinely struggle a lot with. It's like I don't know what my work is worth to somebody else. Yeah. I don't know what it's worth in terms of like how I charge people. And like I've raised my rates like progressively a little bit over the last little bit. Um and like people sort of keep accepting those rates as I get up there, but it's still like Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's potentially because I don't have like as many clients as I would want to like sustain this business is something that I can do full time. Um, Mm -hmm. And a lot of other things like that. 
and I'm sure it'll come with time. I just have it, to sort of trust the process a little bit, but it is hard. But you know what's also crazy is like I've only ever had like maybe five clients that have paid me in the figures that I'm talking about, like five yeah. in the last two years. Okay, um, that's two years, five clients, right? Mm. I'm not making six figures a year. I'm still in the five-figure ballpark. Like, I've only had five of these clients. But what's crazy to me is that those clients that I charged these, like, such large amounts of money to be able to do these projects are the ones that keep coming back to me and calling me every day that they're like, I love everything that you do. The work that you did was so great. You have completely changed my business. Thank you so much or whatever. But it's it's, it's the companies that... I worked with beforehand that I did the exact same job, if not even more work for, that I charged so little for because I was trying to build my portfolio that still treat me like shit. And so there is an element of like charging the right amount to make sure that people realize that what you're due is worth it, right? Because Pete, when you don't charge enough, and a lot of people know that you're not charging enough. A lot of people know that they're getting a deal and then they're trying to take advantage of you and then they treat you like shit because they know that they're treating taking advantage of you and they think that they've got a one-up on you. Whereas yeah. where you're someone like, and like, I also, like I have these clients that I've charged like these obscene number, like, not obscene I still don't think they're obscene let me rephrase that like it's insane to me that I've ever sent an invoice for such a large sum of money but at Mm -hmm. the same time like I know that what I did was worth it like after I do those projects for clients they call me every day or every week and I always do like updates for them for free or I do like maintenance stuff for them for free because I'm like yeah you already invested like 38 grand into me like of course I'll just fucking change some like layout tiny things for you that take me more than like less than 15 minutes to do you know Mm. what I mean and uh, there's a lot of aspects of like customer um, relationships that is really important which is the part that I actually love. I actually really love like getting into a meeting with with clients and actually figuring out what they want to do for projects. And like, I just I really enjoy that part of the process like a lot. I hate it. I know you hate it. <laughs> I I genuinely quite enjoy it. And I don't know whether yeah. it's because I've been working part time in my parents' business, which is in picture framing. I've been doing this for about ten years. So I started out when I was in high school through uni. And I work part time now, partly because I really enjoy it and very genuinely really like coming here and doing what I do here. Um, But I think that I've learned a lot in terms of like the sales part, because the sales for picture framing is very niche. It is very like client consultation rather than like sales in like a retail shop for example like you need like someone brings something in and puts a piece of artwork on the table and you have to know everything about how the process goes together to be able to sell them exactly what they need what's going to protect it and what works for them in terms of what their tastes are and like all these different things picture framing there's a lot that goes into it um Mm -hmm. surprisingly and i think that i've learned a lot from that process and dealing with clients and like working through different options for them and brainstorming and all that sort of stuff so even with sam's clients like if i'm part of a meeting for his commercial clients which i quite often am if he's got a big meeting um i kind of enjoy plotting that stuff with them and like helping them come up with other ideas of how we can help them and like we could do this for you guys and that oh that's a really cool idea i love that stuff Mm-hmm. Like that's really cool to me. One because it also brings us more work, and it gets them aware of 
the other things that we could do to help them out, which is great for us long term. Um, but I also just like that collaborative element. So long as they're like nice people to deal with, which for the most part our clients are. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's a really fun part of the process for me. I enjoy lots of different parts of the process, really. I enjoy, for the lack of a better word, it's like the sales part of creative work. Like, I kind of enjoy that part. I don't know why I enjoy that part. I've never, ever considered myself to be a salesperson whatsoever. I, the, like, word salesperson comes across as, like, slimy and horrible. Um, but I think that, as I say, working in, like, a retail front of house consultation role in picture framing for a long time kind of trained my brain into being good at that, which is cool, I guess, I suppose. <laughs> it was an unexpected thing that I learned from that. Yeah, and it's funny because I feel like I'm kind of like in a complete opposite perspective, whereas my last few years of work, even though I like I, I love being able to create something for a client that is what they wanted, it's it's not the part of the journey that I enjoy. Mm. And I much prefer the idea of being able to create something that then someone can take and make their own creation off of than um, having to work specifically with the ideas that this client specifically wants and like having to kind of battle them in some aspects the entire way until we can meet a middle ground into creating what it is that mm. they want. Because a lot of the times clients don't know anything. <laughs> this is this is also true. And it is a really delicate balancing act between them saying, I want this and you going, well, that's actually not going to work for X, Y, Z reasons without yeah. making them feel like they don't know what they're talking about without them feeling like their opinion is invalid because it's not invalid. It's incredibly valid. Um, it's just maybe not the right thing. And your expert opinion is to go in and say, oh, well, I think it needs to be done like this and this is why, but maybe we can kind of meet in the middle somehow. And a lot of the time with your stuff in particular, it's really hard because it's you know that like things are like physically not possible or you know that in terms of marketing, the structure actually won't work because it will be really messy and it's not going to actually be effective for what they want and things like that. But for you, it's definitely quite a lot harder than it is for me in a lot of ways but we've had to do a lot of like edits or like video structure and like take things out that um we know makes like objectively makes the project worse we just don't put mm -hmm. our watermark at the end of it <laughs> yeah it's uh, i just hit my mic oops um and like yeah especially in web design like there's things that like there's so many things you have to consider right you have to consider load time like is the website going to load fast enough or is is like what you're trying to ask such complicated code that it's going to make the the website load time faster because if the mm. website takes too long to load then people are more likely to click off of it um yeah. is what you're doing um driving your customer away from what they're doing is um also it seo effective does that mean that you're actually going to show up in google um, searches or is what you're doing like there's so many different elements right and so mm -hmm. my job is to make sure that not only do I understand what the client's main intention is and this is what I sent, sit down like in my very first meeting with everything every client I'm like, what is the number one thing you want someone to do when they come to your website? Is it that you want them to purchase a product? Is it that you want them to book you for a service? Is it that they you want them to sign up for a workshop? Is it that you want them to subscribe to your YouTube channel? It could be any mm -hmm. of those things, right? 
like it's my job to take that intention and to be able to understand both from a consumer point of view, like people who are coming onto the website, how do I put them through that mindset of what the um, main intention is? How do I, how do I make a consumer come through and, um, have their first thing they do is purchase a product, right? But at the same time, how do I marry that with what the client pictures their website wanting to be? And so it's what the client wants and also what the client wants the consumer to do. And sometimes, Mm -hmm. actually 99% of the times, those things don't match up. And then on top of that, you have to think of all of those different elements of SEO, load time, um, whether or not something is simple, and not even just simple in terms of um, coding and so that like, the internet could read it properly, but also is it simple enough that the client themselves then can go back and edit things, Mm -hmm. right? It's it's not a simple, like, I'm just going to throw this kind of together thing. No, it's not. None of it ever is. And it's, yeah, it's this constant kind of like balancing act. Whereas (laughs) I love the idea of instead of doing that, (laughs) having more like templates or um, web designs that are already complete that are like, this is for people who do this. And if this is what you're kind of trying to create, this is how you do it. And I teach people and then they can take it and run with it. And then they Mm. can create their own thing. And I'm not responsible for the final product because when I'm, I'm, when I'm responsible for the final product, it stresses me out so much more because then you've got clients who are like, well, why am I not number one on Google? And I'm like, well, I, there's a million reasons why you're not number one on Google. One, because of all yeah. of these things that you've told me, but also like, and you've asked SEO me to do, but hard. also like SEO is a constantly changing game. Like it's not, yeah. it's not something like that I can, I can effectively do for you. I can give you a beautiful website that functions perfectly and make sure that things, but I can't guarantee that I'm going to give you thousands of customers a week either right and so there's like Mm. that balancing act because when people are paying a lot of money for their website they expect it i don't know it's 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 difficult and it's it's really emotionally taxing like i really i really don't enjoy working on the computer all that much anymore Mm. it's really destroyed my body quite a bit it's made it so that i've gained a shit ton of weight it's made it so that i don't work out anymore it's made it that i don't eat regular meals it makes it so that i am like just constantly sitting at a desk all day and it's hurt myself like hurt it hurts to sit at a desk all day it's not good for you i i literally wear glasses now when i work on the computer because of what's happened so yeah i relate to that i gave myself rsi um from computer use which i it's a lot better now than it used to be but it's a constant battle of maintaining it and making sure it doesn't come back i had back issues for a really long time um a lot of the things that you've said like i'm i'm very aware that like working out regularly makes it so that sitting at a desk all day is easier but that doesn't mean that i'm super great at it. i always forget to eat meals sometimes if i'm stuck in an editing rut it's all of a sudden like 3 p.m i'm just like oh i haven't eaten since nine. Oh, whoops um there I, I yeah. literally last week had so many days where it was like 3.30 in the afternoon and I was looking and I was like, holy shit, I haven't even eaten anything today. And I have yeah. been sat in bed trying to get this done. And like, I, I, it's, 
I don't want to complain either because I know that there's like a certain luxury and there's a certain privilege that comes in to being in a position where I have been able to um, build this business to a point where it's like financially doing okay. It's like yeah. not great, but it's doing okay. You know what I mean? Like I, I was I living in a, a situation that made it so that I could kind of like actually built this dream and it's not something that happens quickly and I still like you were saying before like encounter so much imposter syndrome like I'm not I'm not making like bank you know what I mean like I still can't afford a house I still can't do like whatever but I'm, I'm able to like kind of maintain my hobbies right now which means I have to kind of grow it to that next stage but I don't know. It's it's just like I don't even know where I was going with this. It's basically a just one of, of those is, things. Yeah, I don't know. A lot of it is the guilt, right? Like the work for yourself, self-employed guilt thing of feeling like you need to be working constantly and ultimately that's not very efficient for you and your body and your mental health and actually getting stuff done. Um, but then feeling guilty when you're not working or feeling guilty for giving yourself breaks or feeling guilty for complaining about your job. You're allowed to complain about your job just because you have the luxury of working from home, especially during a pandemic, does not mean that everything about your job is great. You're allowed to complain about your job. Everyone mm-hmm. else does. Everyone else complains about their bosses. We just don't have bosses to complain about. <laughs> so we have to complain about something, you know. We, I'm, I'm trying really hard to get better about not feeling guilty about stuff unnecessarily because ultimately feeling so guilty about things will actually cripple me into not doing anything about any of that stuff. I'm trying really hard to make my mindset less toxic in that regard. And it's really hard, but I have made progress. You know, what's so crazy is that I was rambling, trying to remember what I was that I was trying to talk about. And you literally listened to my rambles and said the thoughts that I was trying to get out. (laughs) Yeah. I I figured that that's where you were trying to go with it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the guilt thing is huge. It's like for everyone who's been at school or at uni or anything like that, you'll know that guilt of like when you're at a certain point of the day and you're deciding you're going to stop doing study stuff, that guilt you feel when you're not studying because you know that you should be studying more, you know you should be like tidying up your notes, doing your readings, getting on top of your work, like all that stuff. Um, it's the same kind of thing when you work for yourself. You have the same kind of guilt of like, I should be doing more. I should be working. Like, I don't really deserve downtime. I need to be doing more because the work that you put in very directly relates to the money that you get out That's rather exactly than turning it for it, right? a job and every, having a salary. Every minute that you put into your work converts almost into dollars that you make. And so yeah. the, the the whenever you're in downtime, you are choosing to not make money when you work for yourself versus when you work on a salary job where you work nine to five and then you come home and then you get to have your time off. It's you it's separate right like you're guaranteed that amount of money whereas like when you work for yourself you're not guaranteed any money you're you you get the money that you put your effort into it and a lot of times you have to put a lot of effort into it and you won't get any money from it right you have to equally a shitty feeling yeah there's so much more work that goes into marketing yourself trying to find clients trying to create client relationships trying to do whatever that don't actually translate into dollars that you have to do to be able to maintain your own business that doesn't um 
doesn't equal dollars amount. Whereas when you work a salary and you're getting paid an exact, you know, you know that when you're at your job, you're making 20 or 25, $35 an hour or whatever. And you know that, oh, if I work from nine to five, even if I'm like laxing off like during a couple of hours because I'm having a bad day or if like maybe I'm having like a slow day and I'm not able to get all my shit done that I thought I was supposed to like that doesn't affect you because you're still getting that money but when you're too slow with your projects when you work mm. for yourself then it's it, you're, it's taken away f- time that you could be putting towards new clients that give you new more money yeah and it's like I I feel infinitely more at peace when I am doing stuff that is directly banked billable time Mm-hmm. than when I'm doing the other stuff. And whilst the other stuff needs to happen, it's really hard to like put yourself in the right mindset of like not feeling like it's wasting time because you're not doing stuff that's paid, but also you need to do that stuff to get more stuff that's paid. And then like you end up, I, I know that I end up like crippling, crippling myself into not doing any of it because I then go through like an existential crisis of like, I'm not good enough to do this anyway. Who would want to hire me? And it just like this, it, it often can spiral into, I will also say Cole and I both have anxiety. So like, this is also <laughs> a part of like, <laughs> it is an it's extra so battle that we, we have to um, deal with on a regular basis. But there is like a lot of this kind of stuff that goes around. I know that Sam doesn't struggle with it quite as much as we do in terms of like breakdowns. He He's a lot better at having like spaced out time and like time he, off. He's but. he's also been doing it for long enough that his income is a little bit more stable than ours, I would say. Yeah, there is that. But also he's in a two income household with um Grace as well. So That is true. He's got he's got like income stability between the two of them, which is probably a little bit more mind calming. Whereas it's just me. Yeah, and like it's just me too right like and like yeah i yeah it's like it's just one of those things like when you own your own business and you're trying to create your own business like we're not yet at that point financially or like within our careers like we're still in the freelancer like trying to do our grind kind of phase where you're making kind of like enough money that you can sustain your life but you're not at that point yet where you're like at that next level where you can hire assistants or hire whoever right Mm -hmm. and so at that point like you're having to manage 17 hats it's like that whole concept right like not only am i a web designer like if i could exclusively code all day i would do it for the rest of my life totally fine but i don't have to just do that i have to manage emails i have to manage people calling me i have to manage bills i have to write contracts i have to write um or i have to do phone calls i have to manage like customers i have to do the design part i have to make sure that i'm marketing myself i have to manage my own website i have to manage blog posts i have to make sure that pinterest is going out i have to do instagram and it's like it's like a 17 million fucking things that you have to do at the same time to like we're so multi-talented (laughs) yeah you know and you and then you see all of these like bloggers out there that are like telling you how to become a like great business and they're all like oh you just have to do this like nineteen thousand different things to become successful it's like no one has fucking time for that no one Mm -hmm. does no one does and so you're constantly kind of in this battle and i even talked to this with my like my sister and she she's an osteopath it's a completely different industry right Mm. she 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 like does manual therapy osteopathy for people but like free osteo jealous (laughs) yeah yeah 
<laughs> it's not free. It's not free. I have to do their website for them in exchange. <laughs> oh, that's such a good exchange, though. I know, but it's that's but so like. Good. Uh, yeah, but she's so she's an osteo and she she has the same issues where she's like, I she's like, yeah, I can treat people all day and I'm so good at this, but I don't have time to manage my website and manage my my Instagram and do all these client emails and manage my time schedule and manage the accounting and meet with the business coach and meet with all these things. Right. Like there's there's a million different things that go into running a business that people don't even necessarily recognize. And so. I talk to people all the time and they're like, I don't understand what you do all day. And I'm like, it's it's hard for me to explain what I do all day when it's like, well, I do a million different things. Nothing is the same all day. Yeah, like I'm technically mm-hmm. a web designer, but even on days when I don't have clients, I'm still doing a million things. I'm trying to update my personal this like client website I'm trying to manage the Instagram I'm trying to reach out to old clients I'm doing maintenance things I'm trying to do whatever like it's it's complicated yeah there's a lot that goes into it and the, the mental health thing is a big part of it and we might even talk more on that at some point because I think it is an interesting conversation but having said that we're at a point where we probably need to stop one because it is about 30 minutes later than I thought I was going to be leaving and I'm cooking dinner tonight for the flatmates (laughs) 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 so it's I need to rush off a little bit um but yeah I do want to talk more about this at some point because I think it's interesting um I mean I I find it interesting I think it'd be interesting to do an entire episode on both of you and I's experience with therapy and anxiety and like that whole thing in general but yeah and i think we will i think we both have very different stories to tell on that front um very different yet somehow similar yeah but you got a a decent summary of one what we do for work but then also our breakdowns weekly so you know there's that (laughs) yeah i just think the most important thing is like i hope that people listening to this understand that Yes, you and I, we're not not making money. We're not like broke. We're not flat poor. We're not like not doing okay at our jobs. But Mm. at the same time, like we're making money, but we're also like constantly dealing with imposter syndrome and like not feeling like we're good enough. And so like, I just want people who listen to this who are like, oh my God, they're doing so much. If they're like, if you think that like, oh my God, you're doing, you're more successful than I am because you're making such and such amount on a project. That's not Not the case. Yeah. Like we, we still struggle with this all the time. Like I, I would love to be making like seven times more money than I do right now, but I feel like I, 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 I like need to be earning more money to be able to sustain myself and sustain it as a business to do full time. Like I, I need to, and it's something that I'm working on doing and it's just not there yet. Like I can sustain myself right now, but like realistically I would be needing to make like three times more to be able to afford a mortgage in yeah. Vancouver specifically because yeah, the housing market here is so fucked up. <laughs> Same here. Don't get me wrong. I'm still saving for a house. I, I have my ways. I, I I work hard at putting money away savings for like that kind of stuff. Don't you worry. There's, yeah. there's priorities here for people. I want to own my own house. <laughs> yeah, I think I think at the rate that I'm going right now, I might be able to afford a down payment in like four years. That's pretty good. 
Maybe. Yeah, that's pretty good. Considering mm-hmm. how bad our housing markets are, that's pretty good. Anyways, yeah, that's it. That's all we have to say. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed this a little bit. Got a little bit of insight into our brains. Nothing is ever as shiny as it looks on social media. Just always remember that. Um, And we will talk to you in the next episode, which we're actually recording in a couple of days and will be recorded right after the US election, which is coming up very shortly. I yeah, know, we so were ta- we'll, we were t- we'll touch on that when it, when it happens. <laughs> we were talking about this earlier this week. I'm going to be watching the... Um, I'm going to be watching the news coverage of it all day. I'm probably going to be drunk by like 4 p.m. watching it. No, just kidding. Uh, maybe six, but like I'll, I'll be watching it while I work. So it really it really stresses me out. Yeah, me too. I, and I, we don't even live there. It's not even like yeah. Anyway, let's not. We'll talk about it later in the week. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it next episode. And when this comes out, this comes out on election day, doesn't it? Right? Because you're going to try and post it on Tuesday. Maybe your Tuesday, my Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah, which is election day. So if any of the people who are listening in on to this are in the States, we are um, thinking of you. We hope that it goes in our favor. (laughs) Good luck. We're very stressed, just like you are. And yeah, I hope we hope we're hoping for the best for you. Mm -hmm. Oh, (laughs) we're just lucky. (laughs) One last thing before we actually sign this off. I just want to say that if anyone who listens to this has any questions about work finding clients whatever about what you and i do you can 100 percent dm at least be i don't know about you i'm not promising you into this if if you don't care then I, you can <laughs> i feel incredibly underqualified to give any advice on that front whatsoever yeah and i <laughs> just know that i don't feel qualified either but if you have questions about what i do and or like just want clarification on what it is like you can of course like message me and just be like yo i mean by all means message me if you have questions but i will be pretty straight up with you if i feel like i don't have an answer for you yeah and sometimes i'm like i i don't know but this is what i did and if you just want to know like yeah i'm always open to having people talk about work things I need to find more clients, so don't ask me that question. But if you have any other questions about what I do, feel free to flip them through to me. I will be very happy to but answer also, any of them. Can I just say that I don't think you give yourself enough credit because you the stuff that you do, like assisting with Sam, the stuff that you do, like video work with him, the stuff that you do with things like it's still like work. It's still more than like what a lot of people are able to do. So thanks. I mean, that does I find it very hard to take that information on board and like Believe I know. it, if you know what I mean. But like, yeah, yeah like, there's, like, I definitely do some really cool stuff. It's just, yeah, it definitely doesn't make me enough money. So I need, Charlotte I need is more. Way more she, Charlotte is way more badass than she than she makes it seem like she is. Just, Aww. just want to say that That's she 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 underestimates herself and underappreciates herself. She does some do some really cool things. So lonely, emotional. I don't want to yeah. cut you off when you're complimenting me, but I really do have to go and cook dinner. <laughs> yeah, no, I um, I want to go too because my throat's starting to hurt. Anyways. Adios, amigos, and I hope you had a great episode, and we will see you guys in the next one. Yeah, see ya. Bye.